Hey everyone, Ed Helms here. You might know me as Andy from The Office or Stu from The Hangover, or you might know me as the co-founder of BGS. I know, I'm just as surprised as you. They let me co-found something. But here's the thing, we're doing it again. Yeah, this time we're leaping into our other deep love, the vast and vibrant world of country music with something we're calling Good Country. Now this isn't just another newsletter. Think of Good Country as a place. A place where you can explore, learn, and dig into all of what makes country good. Seriously, country music has so much going on these days, and it's coming from so many different deep and soulful places, and we're here to cover all of it. Just as we've done for Bluegrass and Roots Music at BGS for over a decade. So sign up now at goodcountrybgs.substack.com and let us bring you the many sides of country music straight to your inbox. Good country. It's a nice place to be. Hey, it's Cindy Howes from the podcast Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. Check out our very special 250th episode featuring an interview and performance with Basic Folk co-host Lizzie No. I feel like most women I know have an experience where They've been working and working and working to perform and to execute and to please everyone else. And then things sort of fall apart a little bit in some way or another. And partying can actually be a really important step towards getting free because it shows you where you need to fall apart and being on the dance floor, like in community with mm. other women and mm -hmm. in community with queer people. Mm -hmm. Like for me, those experiences have been so important. This time, Lizzie is on the other side of the mic talking about and performing songs from their brand new album, Half Seas. Basic Folk's 250th episode with Lizzie No is streaming now on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. Join us there or wherever you get podcasts. Oh, hi, and welcome to Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. I'm Cindy Howes, and I host this podcast. Thanks for finding us. Today, a very special episode of Basic Folk, celebrating Club Passim. This past year, the club's flagship festival, Campfire, celebrated 25 years Basic Folk was there in person to celebrate and host a very special evening of live music and conversation with Zachariah Hickman, Mercedes Escobar, Kara McKee, as well as a very special and rare onstage interview with club managers Abby Altman and Matt Smith talking about what makes the folk mothership tick. Right now, Club Hasim, a nonprofit organization, is doing its year-end fundraising. You can find a link in the show notes to make a contribution. And thank you very much. Another thing is Basic Folk is also a listener-funded operation. You can make a contribution to Basic Folk by going to our website, basicfolk.com slash donate. There is also a link in the show notes. There are just a few days left in the year, and uh, Basic Folk is trying to end strong. We're trying to hear from 10 new members before the end of 2023, which is just in a couple of days. So make a contribution right now, and you can get the Basic Folk sticker pack for a gift of $5 a month, basicfolk.com or the link in the show notes. And don't forget to make a contribution to Club Passim. These folk organizations 
venues, podcasts, publications only survive when the people who use them support them in whatever way the organization is asking. And for Club Passim and for Basic Folk, it's listener contributions. Thank you. Okay, let's get on with the show. We have uh, a wonderful introduction done by yours truly. We recorded this live on stage in August of 2023, myself and Lizzie No. So uh, let's get right into it while you get to our website and make your contribution, basicfolk.com slash donate, or you can check out passim.org. Okay, thanks. From the Basic Folk Podcast, please welcome Cindy Howes and Lizzie No. Hello. Hello. What a rush. Wow. Well, thank you for having us, Matt and Abby. We love you so much. We love this place so much. We literally die for you. This is my first time on this stage, but Cindy speaks for both of us. I would die for you also. Yes. I know. No question. So we are from a podcast called Basic Folk, which I feel like most of you probably... Does anyone need like a quick tutorial on the podcast? No. All right. Honest Conversations with Folk Musicians on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. Lizzie No is a guest host, the guest host. And Cindy Howes is my boss. The host. (laughs) Right. Okay. Um, So we are honored to be here, and I wrote a speech. Tell them, Cindy. From the origin story of how the campfire was started to fill a slow holiday weekend to 25 years later, This festival has brought memorable and delightful moments to this sacred stage. From brand new artists debuting at Campfire to legends like Peter Wolf stopping by for a quick explosive set, you just never know what can happen. Behind it all, Matt Smith and Abby Altman have exhaustively worked to plan, book, and execute nearly 60 campfires. Pretty awesome. Lizzie and I are beyond honored to be here to kick off this historic weekend. And if it's all right with you two, we'd like to welcome Campfire's masterminds to the stage, Matt Smith and Abby Altman. I'm so worried about how they're gonna get up here. They did it, yeah, they did it. Hey guys. Hi. Hey guys. Is this weird for you to be up here like this? Remember, you're under oath. I just want to say that I have listened to every episode of Basic Folk, uh, even the little mini ones, that the little wow. in-betweener guys that were happening for a while there, uh, and you should all download it and listen to it, and, and listen to it not just for the people that you know and love, but listen to it to discover things, because I have discovered things and have brought people to play here because I heard about them on Basic Folk. Pretty awesome. So. Wow. Sweet. Thank you. True fact. So nice. Um, well, Matt Smith, you're the best uh, music fan I know, um, and it's an honor to be here, like we've already said a couple of times, and I'll probably say it some more, but we've got some questions for you, too. Um, so the format of Campfire is mostly like in-the-round sets with the occasional set from a single artist. So to get like a little inside baseball... Can you talk about how you use Campfire as a way to welcome new musicians into the club and why it's important to always be looking forward when it comes to programming at Passim? 
I, I can, I can talk about the, this kind of the scheduling aspect a little bit, um, and then pass it over to our programming master over here. Um, well for, for campfire, it's, it's, um, the perfect way to get a new artist onto stage and immediately in front of a full room. Uh, because there are so many people playing, um, putting people in a round is actually like the best way for people to get exposure. Sometimes people think, oh, if, if I'm the only one on stage, that's better for me because I'm the only one that people are paying attention to. But <laughs> actually getting them on stage with multiple people means you're all sharing audiences immediately. So even if someone um, comes to the festival only because they know one artist, they're going to wind up seeing at least a dozen other artists just sitting there for a couple hours. And so it's it's the best way for people to get quick exposure to a new audience, but also to start to build relationships with other artists in the community. And that's one of my favorite parts of Campfire is watching artists who might have just moved here, might have just started school here, or, or just getting into the folk kind of scene here, uh, immediately start to meet other artists doing the same thing as them on stage. Yeah, what she said. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, it's true, because when people that have not played here before, when we reach out to them to come and play the Campfire Fest, you know, we'll send the schedule out. And we've had people be like, you know, when we send them, oh, here's your round. And they're like, oh, I really wanted a set. I didn't want a round. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, I mean, we've watched it happen before where some round kind of elevates everything and explodes it up to the next level. And then after that, it kind of quiets down and someone trying to build that momentum again in a set of their own it doesn't always work. I mean, sometimes it does great, but it, but it, you know, the round is what kind of makes the magic happen here mm. uh, for this festival in particular. And you know, if, when you look back at the very first Campfire Festival, there actually were only a handful of rounds, and uh, it was mostly like set, 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 and it developed into more of this thing where it was round, 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 then like the occasional set. Because sometimes was that it, out of necessity, just because so many people wanted to play. Well, I mean, early on, some of the earlier campfires were much longer, and so people would play oh, multiple, <laughs> multiple uh, times. You know, someone might do a round and a set, so that you could get kind of both best of both worlds. What were you thinking? I wasn't. I was actually just talking with Sean Staples about this. How, when it started, we kind of needed that insanity to 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 establish it as a thing. We needed it to be wilder than you could imagine. You know, it needed to be so many hours that everyone's like, none of you are in your right mind. You shouldn't be doing this. I'm like, yes, exactly, exactly. We shouldn't, and that's why we are. Um, but it, you know, and, and I think that truly worked to its advantage. And because also, we could get in so many people, you know, when at campfire at its longest, when it would start at noon on Friday and go until two or 3 a.m. Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. And back then, I think the we capped out at maybe 120 artists playing over the course of the weekend. What was your cocaine budget? <laughs> You're under oath. Zero. No budget for cocaine for Matt. In what ways has Campfire become the true north for the club? Like, what are some principles about throwing events and hosting artists that you've learned from Campfire that you've brought to the rest of your work here at Pessim? 
Well, anytime we have uh, an idea for a new event, uh, a new night, uh, we we point at campfire and say like, ah, let's do it like campfire. And <laughs> and I think that's a shorthand for people coming, but it's also a shorthand for us because like we we have been doing this. We've been we've been doing campfires together for nine years now, and so we have like this shorthand. We know yeah. what that means. Like we know how to make it work behind the scenes. We know how to make it work on stage. We know the processes we need to do to book things. But but um, like for example, we just had a uh, an event with our folk collective, one of our new programs here, and there was a lot of back and forth, a lot of workshopping. What what could this this big event, this kind of capstone event, look like? And Matt was just like, eh, do like camper. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of a shorthand for us now. Yeah. Where where you know because you're you're creating variety in how you're presenting and you're putting people on stage together, and that creates a potential. Like you're not you're not you're you're programming for people at once, and not just that you know like you want them to interact. And it's always it can be difficult when you see four people on stage. It's just kind of like they play a song and then they sit back and they play a song as if nothing else happened. You know, it's as if they're just breaking their own set into chunks and playing it um, as opposed to actually interacting with each other in real time. And, you know, that's, that's the kind of, that's what we're hoping to do. Yeah. And, and, and so th when we try th new things, this is a great format for that. This, this festival stemmed out of a series of in the round shows that we were doing. Mm. And so it's like, oh yeah, this creates a kind of magic. Yeah, and talking about that magic, there's also this like really neat social side effect that has emerged mm. because of Campfire. If you guys have any cool examples, cool stories of, of that type of uh, special collaboration happening at Campfire and how you see that permeating in the Passim and the folk community at large. Well, we've had rounds, like we were saying, sometimes those magical rounds happen on stage. We've had rounds that loved each other so much that then they booked a show and did a show as a band together. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's it's like that magic works and they are so excited that, that they run with it. And we, yeah. we don't have to be a part of it anymore. And that's the <laughs> exciting part is like, I feel like we're like, you know, pushing little birds out of the nest and then they, they go do their own thing. Um, one of the other things I really like that I don't think was intentional, but has kind of happened is like um, a lot of artists bring brand new songs to play at Campfire. Mm. Like they intentionally play something here that they've never played anywhere else outside of their room or that they just wrote in the green room an hour ago. Like that, that is one of the, the cool things that I don't know if that was intentional at all, but has just kind of come out of like the sense of, um, having that that uh, low stakes gig that you can come out and try something new and know you've got other songwriters on stage that are commiserating with what you're going <laughs> through at that moment. You're, they're all like the same level of nervous, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I really like that um, that that artist interaction is, is the coolest thing for me that comes out of Campfire. Yeah, and, and it's and, and, and I wouldn't even put it necessarily as, as low stakes, but, it, but a very, a very comfortable, yeah kind of welcoming it's like you're just sitting around playing together that was the whole idea at the beginning of it was that you're just sitting around playing for each other and so you're going to try things that you wouldn't necessarily do at your headline show because uh you're you know 
the audience here tends to want to see how the sausage is made. Maybe the Veggie Planet audience didn't want to see how the mm. sausage was made. But, uh, Shout out. <laughs> but, but it's true what I was saying about, you know, how, you know, like sometimes you see it happen right here on stage. Sometimes you see it out the window where all of a sudden you see the previous round are all standing around talking to each other. And you're like, oh, something's going on there. It's true, Matt, that you will put together set. You guys will put together sets where you're like, oh, these people need to meet each other. Yes. Yeah. Abby has definitely continued that. Abby's been putting together the schedule for most of the last several years. Yeah, I mean, we we like pick the artists together and stuff, but then once we have all their availability, I'm I'm the one who um, stirs everyone together in a big pot and, and sees what works. And sometimes it's you know it it is strictly scheduling who fits on what day and what round. But but we do try. We do try to. Sometimes we have kind of themed rounds in our heads. We we one time um, uh, made a round of all bazooki players. Um, I've, I've made because we have enough. Yeah, to I've, do that. I've made I've made a dulcimer round before. I would be um, so mad if you did that to me. Like all harp players. Twice in my career, I have showed up to a gig and there's another harpist there. Oh, no. Why? Why? Would I just want to give that? you some feedback. Like this is because then they're going to be like, which one of us is the best? And when you play a rare instrument, you rarely have to actually be that good <laughs> because no one's ever seen anyone play your instrument or they haven't for a long time. But then you put, what is the matter with you? I would, I would do that to you. I would. I would. Anyway, I'd die for you still. Okay, we are <laughs> celebrating the 25th anniversary of Campfire. Think in your happiest dreams. Everything goes according to plan. Everything falls into place. What does it look like in 25 years? Paint me a picture. Ooh. Um, someone else is running sound mm. at that point, I think. Um, just that it has the same kind of energy. It has that, that experimentation, that sense of experimentation. When, when we send out the email invitation, we say in there, like, do the thing that you don't get the opportunity to do because when you're playing your show as your name and people have a certain expectation, let this be an opportunity for you to try something absolutely new. You know, Mike Block, who is one of the best cellists in the world, came and did a set of stand-up comedy. It wasn't good. <laughs> um, but he did it. Yeah. <laughs> but he did it. And he's here tonight, and <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> With his new hour special. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I'd say, you know, for, for 25 years from now, I want to see 80% of it people that aren't born yet today. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, or that maybe are the, the offspring of people that have played it before. Cute. We're Aww. getting there. That's going to happen. That's absolutely going to happen. Yeah. We're going to have next generation folks coming in. We just watched an excellent video of Rose Polanzani's son's Yep. New song. Grounded. Kipling Drozik. He's on Bandcamp and Spotify. He's 10, for those of you that don't know. Okay, we're going to really put your feet to the fire now. Oh, no. the here's, campfire? here's what's going to happen. Yeah, the campfire. We're going to do a lightning round, meaning answer quickly. Don't think about it too much. You can't skip a question. No fucking clarifications or excuses. Okay. We're going to switch who goes first each question. The first question, Abby will go first. Then Matt will go first. Get it? I think so. Who is the most famous person 
who has ever attended Campfire. I have two that were, one of them came into the room and one of them was just out in the lobby, but uh, uh, John Malkovich and Natalie Portman. Wow, pretty good. Abby should take this one. Yeah, Abby, Abby, you take this one. In five words or fewer, how would you describe the fashion of Campfire? Hmm. Uh, Sound girl chic. All right. Matt Smith, what has been the most creative set design at Campfire? Oh, uh, Elf Night Drunk, definitely. Mm-hmm. We've got some Elf Night fans in the house. Abby, in its history, who is the artist that you're aware of who has traveled the farthest to perform at Campfire? Oh, I mean, I don't know if she came here just for Campfire, but from the furthest away, Monique Claire. She's from Australian. From Brisbane. Yeah. All right, Matt. This is a good one. What is your campfire dream round? Sky's the limit, living or dead. Oh. um, All right. All right. Uh, We're going to go with Paul McCartney, Diedrich Strauss, (laughs) Issa Burke. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to put Lizzie in that, too. Just to... Can everyone please give a warm passim welcome to Zach Hickman? Come on. Kara McKee. And Mercedes Escobar. What's going to happen in the next few minutes is we're going to basically do a songwriter's round, which all of you I know are familiar with. But Cindy and I are going to pop in with questions here and there because that's what we do. Like, here's a question. Lizzie, what did you do today? Oh, the time has come to, sh- to reveal what we did today. We've been teasing this all afternoon. We got here for sound check, and we were like, we're not going to tell you guys what we did today because it's super cute, and we're going to want to save it for when we're on stage. We got a couple's massage. We sure did. <laughs> we are not a couple. We are not a couple. There was a language barrier when Cindy was booking the appointments. And so she said, it's two of us, and we're just friends. And they didn't, that somehow that became a very dimly lit, lovely room with candles for both of us. Yep. And yep. honestly, I feel amazing. How do yeah. you feel? I feel, I also feel amazing. And now I have a suggestion for any one of you who has sort of like an ambiguous crush on someone and you're like not sure how to break the ice, take them to this massage place and be like, oh my God, I had no idea. It's a couple's massage. That's free advice from me to you. And now a song. Zach Hickman, would you like to start us off? I absolutely would. For whatever reason, I'm here and happy to be here. The first year I played Campfire was the year 2000. I decided I would play a song that I wrote probably about the time that I played that campfire. So it's questionable, but so am I, and so is this whole evening, so let's, do, let's all do our best. We resent it. If I could give you a gift, Samantha, it wouldn't be gold 
I wouldn't buy you chocolates Well, they rot your teeth, I'm told If I could give you anything Well, I wouldn't buy you toys Well, I'd get you just what I know you want Your very own real-life cowboy Well, he'd be tall and dark little dumb and he'd know how to sing and underneath those Wrangler jeans well he, well he wouldn't wear a thing hold your hand tell you all your charms he'd say you're prettier than helen of troy and you'd lay down behind his old dodge keeping warm with your very own cowboy listening to tennessee stud on the radio and kicking the mud off your shoes well he'd give you everything your heart could desire except for a case of the You know I'd love to do the job myself, Samantha, but I'd be hard to authenticate. You know I, I bought my boots in San Francisco in a trendy little army surplus store with a gift certificate. Tell you how much I wish I fit the bill, but I know that I'd be all wrong. And so, Sam, instead of a cowboy, we'll have to settle for a cowboy song. Have to settle for a cowboy.
I have a couple questions for you, Zach. I'm ready for questions, Cindy. These are campfire-themed questions. It's kind of an infamous story the first time that you played campfire. So would you tell that story and, and start with, like, what did you know of Passim before you got here and how that experience maybe set the stage for your relationship with the club? Oh, yeah. I've been waiting for this opportunity for a long time. This is why I'm here. <clears throat> so the year was 2000. I was still a student at the Oberlin Conservatory of Music uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. And I had already been playing music with my friend Josh Ritter since um, I was 18. So I was 20 at this point. Uh, a, a green bean in the world. Josh is two years older than I am. He had already moved out east and was living in Providence. Uh, even though we played music together, we weren't really close friends, two years age difference, different semesters abroad. We actually hadn't spent too much time together. But he was like, hey, come on out to Providence like before school starts, we'll do a handful of shows. And you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to my life on the road, absolutely, and drive all the way out here. It's great. This was before I realized that you never get in a car that Josh Ritter is driving because he is fucking terrible at driving. <laughs> He's got n no sense and no attention span. So I didn't know that. So we're driving from Providence up here. I remember every, every, everything about this day. I was terrified for my life, which was a big part of it. That man should not have been illegally allowed to do that. Uh, I think he was even driving my car because otherwise we wouldn't have room for the base. But we were talking on the way up. I even remember exactly what I was wearing, because I was wearing, I had um, a black t-shirt on, a pair of jeans. This was part of my, um, my weight training regimen. Because a little bit before then, I bought a whole bunch of black t-shirts in an extra large, and then a whole bunch in a large, and then a whole bunch in a medium. And I was wearing the extra large for a couple of months, and then I switched to the large, and then a couple months later, I switched to the medium. And when I got to the medium, everyone was like, man, have you been working out? And I was like, oh, yeah, I've been, I've got, I'm on a real regimen. It's just getting smaller clothes. I look completely ripped, right? Uh, I thought this was very funny, personally. But uh, I had I, heard about, yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. That's a genuinely great idea. <laughs> it, it really works. Uh, so Josh had been talking up this place, Club Passim, Club Passim, and it's on the phone, and you're like, Passim, like, what word are you trying to say, you know? Because <laughs> if you don't see it in written down, it's pretty confusing. But he's talking to me on the way up when I'm trying not to die, and uh, we're listening to Elliot Smith, and he's like, it's going to be so great, it's going to be so great, there's all these great people, and uh, it's going to, you know, it's, 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 everyone listens to your music, and it's going to be, and everyone's so nice to you, everyone is, everyone is just so nice. And, and we park my Ford Explorer, my stick shift Ford Explorer, somewhere around the corner, and I'm carrying my big bass. And we show up, and there's the uh, tent in the back. It's great. And I'm pretty sure at that round, it was Stephen Kellogg, Andy Stochansky, and Bob Hillman. Uh, Andy Indie Stoch Guy Night. Indie Guy Night, yeah. Andy Stochansky, I'd know, I known from Ani DeFranco album, Liner Notes. And I was like, wow, this is a big deal. This is going to be really great. Plus, everyone's going to be so nice to me, and that's really exciting. <laughs> and uh, so Josh loads in for his set in the round, and there's, you know, four dudes with terrible outfits and big, fat 90s jeans, you know, where the, the legs are all this wide for some reason. And I'm standing on the corner, 
and there's this young man in glasses who seems to be running the show, and he's sweating, and he's super pissed at me. And that man was Matt Smith. <laughs> and he was mean as shit to me. And I was constantly in everybody's way and didn't feel like I was in the right place. And it took me a really long time to figure out that rule number one at Campfire is when you're in the round, you don't show up with side people to back you up. <laughs> and Josh big time broke big rule number one. And I needed special accommodation. So there's four people with their wedges. And then there's a photo of me somewhere like with half the base tucked out of the fire escape. And one red-faced Matt in the corner just frowning at the petulance of this young songwriter that would break all the rules. <laughs> and I left thinking, this place wasn't nearly as friendly as people told me it was going to be. <laughs> but we sounded great. And uh, it took me a little while to uh, realize that it was, that was not the perfect introduction, but I'm very glad that it was my introduction. Oh, that's great. All right. So... My second question for you, you are an antics instigator, and Campfire has a reputation for exhausting Matt and Abby, and you have been known to do some pretty goofy things just to keep them both entertained. How did you come to take it upon yourself to keep Matt Smith, Abby Altman in good spirits, and what have some of those results been? Well, you might have to ask them if I succeeded, but... Um... I can definitely tell you about the last time I didn't go last in a day at Campfire. I played here one time when I wasn't last on the bill, and Matt was like, that's never happening again. And I went through and, and, and checked the calendars today. I, wrote a, I made a little cheat sheet. I, I stopped counting at 16 Campfires, but excluding the Josh set, and the one time they let me headline after that, I was at the end of the day every single time because Matt and Abby learned. I brought in the Zach Hickman House of Ill Repute in 2007. It was one of the, February, the, the winter campfires. And it was a great bill because Miss Tess was on right before and Hanukkah Castle was on right after. And it was a pretty long set. It was 90 minutes or two hours or something. And I brought all the crazy. And there was tubas and costume changes. And it was the first time that I learned I could play the tuba and the ukulele at the same time. Oh, yeah. And that was really pretty awesome. Laura Cortese was there, and she came in really haggard. And we had learned this song, Hallelujah, I Love You So. Ray Charles made it famous. And she couldn't remember a single word, including Hallelujah. <laughs> and I still have the board tape of that show, and I listened to it today. It is fucking terrible. It's just someone going, mm -hmm, I love her so, after the music all went by. So not everything was a, big, was a big hit, but the closer of the show, by the end of it, I was like, I've got this on lockdown. And for some reason, we had a whole team of people as a horn section with Mexican luchador masks that I had brought. And Eric Merrill and Austin Nevins, and it was, it was a big crew. Adam Larrabee was there, Neil Cleary. And none of them can play the horns. I just gave them my brass instruments. So there was E-flat peck horns and trombones. And, and we ended the show with a uh, poorly thought out medley of the verses of Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears and the chorus of Sweet Caroline. So 
for That's some reason. one of the reason. whitest things I've ever heard <laughs> in my career in alternative country music. So Congrats. If you can imagine, there's a whole team of people look with terrible masks and holding instruments uncomfortably. And it goes, everybody wants to rule the sweet Caroline. Fraud, fraud, fraud. <laughs> and it was just horrible music. And I have never felt so much joy. And we, we, we were right on time. I never go over. And we paraded right, right out of the club. And we're all playing. And I found a photo, and Matt's face is smiling, and Hanukkah is there, just <laughs> frowning, knowing that she has to close the night. Good luck to you, Ms. Castle. That was entirely for Matt's benefit, and I regret nothing. Karen McKee, would you like to play us a song? Okay. And yeah. then answer a question? And then answer a question. But don't think about the question while you play the song. Really just be in the song. I'm going to be in the song. Can I tell a story about a campfire story? Of course. I want because Zach added some nice like details about his outfit in that first song, and I wanted to just point out um, this. Uh, take us back to Campfire 2020 in the spring. I don't think anybody needs to be reminded that that was kind of a dark time. But for purposes of this story, I would like to remind the audience that DIY tie dye was really big in the um, <laughs> the spring of 2020, and uh, that was the. That was when Campfire went virtual, and we had um, a whole week of programming, right, Mac? It was like it was weekdays. So I like had my my day job. I was like on my team's calls, like doing like reports and stuff. And then um, I had just gotten a tie dye sweatsuit in the mail that I was really excited about because it was really cozy. And although I would never wa wear a tie dye sweatsuit on on stage here, it was pink. It was rid a ridiculous outfit. I thought it was a good idea to put the tie-dye sweatsuit on for the round on, on this virtual campfire. And um, as I'm in the wait virtual waiting room, Matt brings in one of my favorite songwriters of all time to say hello. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my heart's like pounding in my kitchen, right? In like my, my studio apartment. And, and I'm like, I think I might get introduced to this person who has inspired me so much over the years. I'm so excited, my heart's pounding, and I'm like, oh my God. I'm wearing this ridiculous outfit. <laughs> Wait, who was it? It was Lori McKenna. Stop that. And I was introduced to my one of my songwriting heroes, and I'm wearing this ridiculous outfit. And but I was so happy. I like after the the round was over, I like went for a walk. My feet did not touch the ground. I was so excited that this woman knows that I of my existence. And um so there you go. Campfire brings some joy in a dark time. And now fast forward um, three years later, I, um, I just put out a record that um, the Iguana Fund funded. Yeah, Iguana Fund. I love you, Club Passim. And um, the tie-dye shirt made its way into the first song of the record. Um, and so Zach's going to help me on this, uh, this song. Newspapers weren't lying. I spent most of April crying. That's the month we lost John Prime. 
Thought things couldn't get much worse, so I smiled more and bought a tie-dye shirt. The May and June exposed a world of hurt. Few centuries delayed, I'm going away. I don't know what to say anymore. I could pray, but I'm not sure I know what for. So I'm going away. Four days after the 4th of July is the day I was born. This year I felt a little less joy and a little less pride. I know I'll get that back someday. People are hurting, and people are lonely, and people are scared. And some people think only of themselves. Well, I think that has got to change. I'm going away. I don't know what to say anymore. I could pray. So I'm going away to the water And as the days grow shorter I try to be my mother's daughter I get better every day I read more, listen more, talk less now If it weren't for singing some days I wouldn't make a sound My hair grows gray, this world goes round The seasons start to change And I'm fading away Don't know what to say anymore I pray one day I'll know just what I'm asking for Okay, I have a question for you, Kara McKee. Um, okay, so you had a fabulous sold out EP release here at Club Pessim last night. Previous to that, yeah. Previous to that, you have performed on national television on The Voice. And I'm curious, how do you sing differently in Pessim than you do on TV? What's different musically? Which makes you more nervous? How much time do we have for this question? Okay. Take all the time you need. <laughs> um, <laughs> what makes me no more, more nervous? It's just totally different ball games. So um, I love singing on this stage more than any stage I've ever sang on. Like, this is the spot. Singing on national television was a real mind trip. I was way out of my comfort zone. Also here last night was another, um, a friend I made on the show. Her name is Perejita Pastola. 
She's 18 years old. She's entering her freshman year at Berkeley. She sings the lights out. She's insane. Like the vocalists on these television shows will blow your mind. I like to have my guitar in hand and sing things that I wrote. And so being on the TV show was way out of my comfort zone because I'm singing other people's songs. I'm trying to like compete with these like vocal acrobats. Didn't have um, an instrument in my hand. At one point, like they didn't air this, but um, Gwen Stefani mentioned that um, she gave me some feedback on my choreography and was like, it seems as though um, you're not used to like, you know, the choreography. And I said, yeah. So in conclusion, <laughs> There's no choreography. I mean, maybe Zach's had some choreography in his sets, but I um, I feel very comfortable in this seat. Um, but then, but then last night also was a dream, and I'm still on some other planet because I that was an experience unlike anything I've ever done before. And I was I was talking to Matt earlier. It's like the the just the words thank you seem to have lost their meaning because I'm just so grateful for the opportunity for the iguana fund for club pass team because you guys support us through and through. And this is, uh, yeah, I'm just so grateful and just rambling and Lizzie ran me in, please. I think that was a really beautiful <laughs> story. <laughs> Thank you for sharing with us about your musical journey. You did great. Thanks Lizzie. And I love your songs. Mercedes, would you like to play a song and answer a question? I'd love to. To our neon cabin, s'il vous plaît, come on in. Leave all your worries and cares behind, cause they'll be touching, feeling, kissing, stroking, blowing your mind. Neon blue got a raunchy, yeah. Neon blue got a raunchy, all over the place. Neon blue got a raunchy, thought I heard somebody say. Well, how do you do? My name is Neon Blue. I know you're looking for me and I've been waiting for you. I had a dream last night about a stranger in town who kept me up all night. They all dawned and on and on and the blue got a raunchy. The blue got a raunchy all over the place. And the blue got a raunchy. Let's get a raunchy. Let's get a raunchy. Let's get a raunchy in here.
Thank you very much. Thank you. That kicked ass. I have a question for you. Okay, Mercedes, you just graduated from the Berkeley College of Music. Everybody clap. Woo! Not yet. <laughs> Next semester? Yes, okay, that's close enough, you're there. Music school is a journey with like a very specific structure. You do this thing, then you do that thing. You get graded, that's how you're growing. That's how you measure that you're growing. But how has being a part of the folk music community and the Passim community impacted how you've approached that step-by-step -step education? Like what about having the more fluid uh, folk scene around you has like made its way into your like formal training? So I'm from Guatemala, and Club Pasim is the first place in the States where I played, actually, uh, when I got here. And I was scheduled to play on the first campfire in 20, my first campfire in 2020, and that COVID happened, so I ended up playing online. Um, I think for me, it's just a bit different than for the average student because I'm clearly much older than the average student. Um, and I came here to get that edu education as a means to be able to be in the States legally because, you know, the music industry is a very US centric world. And so um, actually for me, it was great because Club Asim is the only place that I was actually allowed to perform because as uh, international students were not really allowed to gig this was a really great opportunity for me to to play. And yeah, I just uh, love this place. Um, I know this somehow ties in because back in Guatemala, the people who basically ended up uh, sponsoring my housing here were the Kosoi sisters who were twins who used to play with Woody Guthrie back in the day. And they played in uh, Club 47, you know, back when, you know, before Club Basim was Club Basim. so. It was like I already had this relationship with the place even before I got here. I don't know if that necessarily answers your question. It does, uh, yeah. That was a yeah. way more interesting answer than I was even <laughs> anticipating. Lizzie, would you like to play a song? Yeah, thank you for introducing it. I had a brief moment of terror because I, I this is my first time combining playing with being podcast Lizzie. Woo! Well, now that we're a couple, I can read your <laughs> no. face. Someone said, well, I am wearing a white suit. My friend came in and said, it looks like we're at your wedding. And I was like, you don't know how true that is. I've just had a very romantic couple's massage. <laughs> okay, so I, I like this little theme of doing like, like a meta round where we sing about the journey of being a songwriter a little bit. In 2018, I had this bar gig. Okay, so... So there are some things that you say yes to when you don't know better. <laughs> I agreed to open the show, like do my own whole set, and then sing backup for the next band's set. And I'd never heard their music before. So like I had to just sing all night long for no additional pay. And I my day job was working as a dog walker. And one of the one of the like Bur Burmese mountain dogs, is that what they're called? Had dragged me off the curb because they're very heavy. And so I had like a boot on my leg. So I had to like carry a harp around with a boot. I was also in the midst of a mental health crisis. Pretty much bottom of the barrel gig was happening. And halfway through after my set, I, I realized that I was having a panic attack. One of the features of a panic attack is you can't tell what's real and what's not and whether you're alive or dead. Right at that moment, the sky outside the club. So like picture, you can see that little strip of, of window neon blue 
literally neon blue, and I thought, I'm dying. This is the other side, just let it go. Later I saw on the news that there had been a fire at an electrical plant across the river, and so the sky actually was like aquarium neon blue. But I thought this was the end of my life, and I was like, the world just goes around and around, and I'm dying. And, oh and then I wrote this song, which is, I think, ultimately going to be shorter than the explanation I just gave. I'm better now, guys. I'm fine. Sometimes I give these little song introductions, and then people come up to me after the show with, like, save the children eyes. They're like, hey, girl. Do you need somewhere to stay, or...? I'm good. This is Niagara, Niagara. First of the year, tender and clear-headed. What have we done, have we done? lips massive and mountainous lean to the sun to the sun Thank you. Thanks, Zach. That was so nice. This is a, a question for Lizzie. Your oh, dang. His, your history of uh, Club Passim is this. You played Campfire when it was actually online during the pandemic. And tonight is actually, we talked about your debut on the real life Passim stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I promise not to panic before my next song. Totally. You're also a skilled DJ and 
a podcast host. So now you've been on Basic Folk for two years, over two years. So mm -hmm. how have those skills that you've learned with the podcast translated to the music side of things for you? I honestly think that Basic Folk has been a huge mistake for the music community <laughs> as far as my being a guest host, and here's why. Cindy had a great podcast going, okay? She had, had been doing it for what, was it three years, four years? Okay, then I joined as podcast host. I already love to talk shit at my shows in between the songs. It's a skill I've developed because of playing the harp. You have a lot of time in between songs where you're tuning and it's awkward if people are just looking at you do like a weird mechanical trick and you don't say anything. So I just started talking for as long as I could talk and saying word after word. And now I have a job where that is the whole point. The talking is the job. So I've just really leaned into my very worst instincts of talking a lot on stage. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. I went on tour with Iron and Wine. I fucking love Iron and Wine. And after my first night, you know, you say the nice things. You're like, Sam, I've loved your music forever. And he was like, you should maybe think about comedy, which made me think, Maybe I need to play more songs. <laughs> we want to say thanks uh, again to Matt Smith and Abby Altman for having us up here to kick off Campfire's 25th year. This has been a lot of fun. Yay! Hanging out with new friends and old. Thank you all for coming and listening. This is, the, this is my favorite place in the world, so it's, it's nice to be here with you all. Yeah, thanks to everyone at Passim for having us, the servers and the whole staff. You've been so wonderful. Um, thanks to those that are watching on the live stream. And I've already said goodbye to Zach. But thanks to Kara and Mercedes as well for sharing your songs and your stories. Um, I have a song called Labor Day. Here it comes.
try to clean my hands Everyone tip your server and drive home safe. Happy campfire. Matt and Abby will be here all weekend. They're accepting donations of Red Bulls and amphetamines. See Matt at the sound booth. This episode of Basic Folk was produced by me, Cindy House. Basic Folk is on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. You can find all of our episodes there, wherever you get podcasts. You can also search for us on the SiriusXM app under Basic Folk, or you can check out our website, basicfolk.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with your very rich aunt or uncle, uh, the especially the rich aunt and uncle that really love folk music and podcasts, and see if they would like to make a contribution to Basic Folk so that we can keep on operating. And hey, if you want to make a contribution to Basic Folk too, that would be great too. You can make your gift right now, basicfolk.com slash donate and get the cute as hell Basic Folk sticker pack for $5 a month. Again, link in the show notes or basicfolk.com slash donate. Okay, we'll talk to you next time. Bye.